All right, we're in a series called Love Expressed. This is the uh, last message in this series. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, and let me just brag on you for a moment uh, as you're turning your Bible to Luke 17. Uh, my son, was J- uh, James, was in business, and uh, he felt like he was going to be in business for many years and then going to ministry at some point, but he began to feel this last summer that um, he was to going into ministry. He met with um, Pastor Tom and Pastor Todd, who both made that transition as well and received counsel. And then we had a, an opening in our stewardship department, which is a real strength for him, the area of finances and all. And so he applied and, and got that job. So he's one of our stewardship uh, ministry pastors now. And I'm saying all that to give you a little background. And, um, he, he and his wife just bought a home, and so they're living with us while they're, he's redoing the inside of the home. He's been in construction and things as well, and so, so right now he's at my home. But one of his responsibilities as a stewardship pastor here is uh, when people donate cars to the church, uh, we want to find a needy family for them, and that's one of his responsibilities. But he also then takes the car and, and, and takes it to some people here in the church that are in that business that have, um, have said, we want to do this to help needy families. And we, we go through it, make sure everything's okay so that there's nothing that needs to be fixed or repaired. And we do that if we need to, or put new tires on it so that we're really blessing that family when they get the car. So that's his responsibility, one of his responsibilities. So I'm saying that, say, that um, his, he'll, he'll bring these cars to the house and then he'll take them to the shop to check them out. Every week, uh, there's a different car in front of my house and sometimes two different cars. And the reason I'm saying that is, is because as I'm leaving, I'm thinking there's another car. That's another car that someone in our church has donated to the church and we're gonna be able to bless the needy family. And uh, just a, a couple of years ago, uh, I know that during that one 12 month time, you gave 72 cars to people. That's just phenomenal to me. That's phenomenal. Um, so every time I, I, I leave and there's this car, I just, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. I think I'm a part of the most giving church that I've ever known, you know? And I, I just pray, Lord, whatever, whoever family gave that, I just pray you'll bless them, you know? And so I just pray over them. Of course, I was thinking when I was sharing that, I was wondering, how many people now are going to give a car so that I will personally pray? <clears throat> but I personally pray over everyone. I hope you know that, and I know you pray for me as well and others. So, all right, we're in this series called Love Expressed, and we're talking about <clears throat> worship. Worship is expressing our love, our heart, what we feel in our heart toward God. And uh, in Luke 17, here's this story we're told about the 10 lepers. And I saw some things in here about expressing our love, about worship that I've never seen. And the title of the message today is Giving Thanks. Giving thanks is a large part of our expressing our love to God. So Luke 17, uh, look at verse 11. It happened as he went to Jerusalem, that this is talking about Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. We'll talk about why they had to stand afar off later. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. 
And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? It appears the other nine were, were Jewish people and this, the only one was a Samaritan. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And by the way, this made you well, that the Greek word there is sozo, which means saved you. It's the same, same Greek word you find in, in Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Same word, sozo, made well or made whole. So he says this guy gets healed physically, but then he comes and expresses his faith. He says, your faith has saved you or made you completely well physically, spiritually as well. So it's an amazing passage. This guy expresses his love to the Lord. So we all want to do this. I know we do. It's in our heart. No, everyone wants to be a worshiper. We want to express our love. What caused this guy to express his love? And so I started looking for a, a, like a formula almost, a, a track that we could follow in this passage. And it just seemed like it was just natural that the Lord showed me. So I want to show you three things here about giving thanks. Here's number one. Gratitude produces worship. Gratitude produces worship. And this guy worship. He comes with a loud voice. Look, verses 15 and 16. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. So he expresses his love to Jesus for what the Lord's done. And really, I'm not so much talking about the outward expressions here as much as I am the inward heart. And his heart was gratitude. And because he had gratitude, he had to worship. So again, I'm saying, I know we all wanna be worshipers. So I'm thinking, well, what produces worship? And when you look at this passage, it's, it's really very clear what produces worship, gratitude. This guy gets healed. Now, I want you to think about this. He's healed from leprosy. Was it appropriate for him to do what he did? I mean, to fall down on his face at Jesus' feet, everybody looking, and to shout to glorify God, thank you, God, with a loud voice. Was that appropriate? Well, sure it was. But I got another question for you. Is it scripturally appropriate? Is it, it's, is it scripturally appropriate? Would the scripture uh, condone shouting or falling down on your face? Well, in the, in the Old Testament, there are 11 Hebrew words that are translated praise. Uh, but seven are very dominant. They're, they're the primary ones. And so I want to show you these seven Hebrew words. And, and I just want you to look at the meaning of these. These are the words translated praise in the Old Testament, all right? Um, here, here's uh, the first one is todah. And, and it means a thanksgiving choir. Matter of fact, sometimes this is actually translated thanksgiving rather than the word praise, but it's also translated primarily praise. Okay, so it's a thanksgiving choir. Now, I just want you to notice this, because notice these words, thanks and giving, or giving thanks. The second is the word barak, and it means to kneel in thanksgiving. To kneel, this is a Hebrew word, to kneel in thanksgiving. The third is tehillah, 
and it means to sing a song of thanksgiving. Now, now pronounce it correctly, tequila, it's not tequila. <laughs> you, might, you might sing after tequila, but it's probably not worship, okay? So, tequila, all right, to sing a song of thanksgiving. Notice thanksgiving in all of these. And then the fourth is halal. It means to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. See, there's someone right there. That's halal. Okay. Um, yes, okay. See, halal. And this is, by the way, where we get our word hallelujah. So we get it from this Hebrew word, halal. By the way, I can say hallelujah in Spanish. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, the, 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 the fifth is yada. It means to give thanks. You noticing the pattern, giving thanks? To give thanks with extended hands. So it's, it's scriptural to extend your hands when you give thanks to God. Scriptural. The, the sixth word is zamar. It means to give thanks with a musical instrument. Our worship team does this every week. They give thanks by using their instruments. And then the seventh is shabak, which means to give thanks in a loud tone. Sometimes a pastor, when he's explaining this word, will just shorten it to shout. Sometimes it's actually translated shout in the Old Testament. Shabak, let's give a shabak to the Lord. Okay. So, I want you to notice that it's scriptural according to the Hebrew words that are translated praise to shout, to extend your hands to God, to kneel, to sing to him. And when you take these seven words, it's amazing. Uh, There's one verse in the Old Testament that has four out of the seven. Now that's amazing. Four out of the seven Hebrew words for praise in one verse. Okay, uh, and I'll give you a little Bible trivia, see if you can uh, tell me where this verse is. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You ever heard that verse? Psalm 100. All right, let me, let me read it to you and show you these four words. Psalm 100, verse four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Okay, that word thanksgiving there is the word todah in Hebrew, means the thanksgiving choir. And into his courts with praise. That word is tehillah, singing praises. Be thankful, that is the Hebrew word yadah, which means extend your hands to him, and bless, barak, bow before his name. Now, let me read a paraphrase of this with just the definitions in there, all right? Enter into his gates with a thanksgiving choir and into his courts with singing praises. Be thankful by extending your hands to him and bless him by bowing before his name. Not a good verse. That's just saying, express your love to God. Now, I, I want to clarify something. We're talking about expressing our love to God, express love, which is worship. I'm not trying, though, to get everyone to express your love the same way. I do want you to know that. I want you to understand that. I'm not trying to get you to all be halal, clamorously foolish, or to all do, you know, Barak to bow at the same time or anything like that. I'm not trying to do that. I am, though, trying to get every person to express your love to God. I know we have different gifts and different personalities and things, but I still want every person to express his or her love to God. And here's, here's what I want to say about this. The main reason, the main reason that many, many people don't really express their love to God or really worship in a scriptural way, according to scriptural expressions, the main reason we don't, listen, is because many people grew up in a dysfunctional family. That's the main reason. Many, many people grew up in a family that did not express love. 
I've heard that so much. Well, I, I never heard my father say, I love you. That's, that's what some people would say. I, I have heard my father say it. I'm not saying that personally. But many people would say, I never heard that. I never had that. Or we never hugged in our family. We were not an expressive family. We just did not express our love. Okay, I understand that. But please hear me. You're in a new family now. <laughs> you have been adopted into the family of God. You are not in a dysfunctional family anymore. Yeah, as a matter of fact, your, your father is not dysfunctional. And according to the Bible, we're the bride of Christ. Your husband is not dysfunctional. Your, your spiritual husband, okay? I don't know about your natural one, but your <laughs> Jesus and the Father are not dysfunctional. And you're not in a dysfunctional family anymore. So don't, don't use that, okay? And I, again, I know that we, we, we all have different personalities. I was reading a book uh, years ago called Sacred Pathways. And it described the, the nine different ways, according to the author, nine different ways that people connect with God. So I was kind of going through to see, well, which, which one of these am I? And, and I have to admit to you, I get a little nervous when I read things like this because uh, it doesn't seem like any of them really fit me, you know? Have you ever done that? I was reading a book one time on leadership and it talked about the seven types of a leader. And I read the first one, I thought, that's not me. That's not me, that's not me. And then I read the second one, I thought, that's not me. And some of it is, but some of it is, you know, third one, well, a little bit, no, no, no. And I got all the way to the end of the book, and it wasn't any of them. And I remember thinking, shoot, I really wanted to be a leader. <laughs> and, but I got to thinking, well, I'm a little of this, a little of that, a little of that. Well, that's the same way with this sacred pathways. You know, I, I don't know if you'll find anything that will describe you completely. I understand that. But uh, the sacred pathways, one of them was a naturalist. There are people who connect to God through nature. And, uh, and I, when I read that, I thought, that's me. I love the outdoors. I love to be outdoors, you know? And so I'm reading, I think, okay, that's what I am. That's who I am. And then it says, this is the person who would like to spend the night by a stream. <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> I want to spend the night in the Hilton, but not by a stream. So then I got this, uh, the, the loner, the loner. And I thought, well, I'm not a loner. But then it started talking about this is a person that loves to, to be alone with God, just to just be alone with God and, and spend time alone with God. And I thought, That's, I, I like that. I really like that. And then it said, this is the type of person that would like to spend the day in a monastery. And that's not me. <laughs> And then it said the, the, the revelationalist. This is the person that loves to get revelation about God and learn new truth about God. And, and that's how the per, this person connects with God. And I thought, that's, that's me. That, I like that. And then it said, uh, this is the person that likes to read many, many books. And I thought, that's not me. You know, I, don't, I like to read the Bible. I really do. And I, but I, don't, and I read books, but I just, I don't, I don't like to read a lot of books. I really like just the Bible. And then I thought, I know, I know what I am. I, I, I would like to be alone in the woods with a Bible. <laughs> and then meet Debbie at the Four Seasons. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's me. Okay. So I, I'm not saying that I want every person to be like everyone else in your expressions of love. I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, I want every person to express your love to God. That's worship. So, if I'm thinking this process, okay, we all want to be worshipers, so what produces worship? And I thought, well, gratitude. This guy expressed his worship because he was grateful. And then I thought, well, 
what, what produces gratitude? Well, according to this passage, here's point number two, miracles produce gratitude. I mean, it's kind of clear. Verse 15, and one of them says, when he saw that he was healed. When he saw he was healed, he returned and glorified God with loud words. Okay, miracles produce gratitude. I mean, if you've received a miracle, you're grateful, right? So I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. It's so many times, so we don't even understand the extent of this miracle. The reason is, is because we don't really understand leprosy today. Let me tell you a a few things about uh, uh, leprosy. Um, Leprosy is a disease that they thought for years that it actually uh, caused your flesh to just rot away. But that's actually not uh, what happened. They didn't discover this till the 1950s. They had a a leprosorium and uh, a doctor just did a lot of research. And what they found out was leprosy actually causes the nerve endings to, to deaden and you can't feel pain. And so what people actually did was, was harm themselves and, and the leprosy, the, their, their flesh then would get a sore and they didn't know it because they couldn't feel it. But here was the other thing they found. I know this is very difficult to hear, but what they found was that these open wounds that people had, when they would sleep at night, the rats were coming in and eating the flesh, but they couldn't feel it. And that's actually what was causing the flesh to quote unquote rot away. It's, it's, it's unbelievable when you understand how difficult this disease is, although there is part of the disease that does cause the flesh to rot away as well. But they found so many things out about this, but we don't, we don't know much about it today because medical cures have come into place for much of this. But in Jesus's day, there was no cure. Uh, if you were a leper, you, you couldn't hold a job. You could not hold a job because you couldn't be around other people because it's very contagious. Matter of fact, you had to keep a certain distance from every person. If you contracted leprosy after you got married, you could never see your family again. You could never go to one of your children's ball games. You could never go to a children's recital. You could never hold your wife again. You could never kiss your kids goodnight, never. You totally lost your life. You were an outcast completely from society and you had to stay a certain distance. If you broke that rule, you could be put to death. If someone started coming close to you and didn't see you, you had to, this was the law, you actually had to shout the word, unclean. Unclean. Can you imagine having to announce that you're an unclean person? This week when I was reading this passage and thinking about the law, what the law described about having to shout unclean, I I, I just thought if there's anyone in our church that has a past that he would have to shout unclean, it's me. But one day Jesus came by. (laughs) And in the same way this guy got healed, I got healed. And let me ask you something. If you had leprosy in Jesus' day, couldn't, could never see your family, couldn't be a productive member of society, had to stay, could never hold anyone, touch anyone, and you got healed, would you express your love to Jesus? Okay, I got you. Because we all had leprosy. We have a reason to express our love to the Lord. We have a reason. I remember when the church was small, um, for some reason, uh, uh, one of the deacons said to me right before a service, he said, so-and-so's here. 
And I, 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 I don't even remember now who so-and-so was, but so-and-so was somebody important, you know? Maybe someone in the community, a, a city uh, representative or something, I don't know, but I don't even remember now, but I just remember so-and-so was, you know, a so-and-so. <laughs> Maybe in more ways than one, you know, old so-and-so, you know, I don't know, but, um, but I just remember that the deacon just said to me, so-and-so's here, you know, and it, we were just a real small church and, and um, uh, someone important, you know, or something, and so I, remember, I walked out and I remember so-and-so was right behind me, and we started worshiping, and just, I just wanted to express my love to the Lord. And I remember right before I started to raise my hands, this voice said to me, now what will so-and-so think? And I thought to myself, if so-and-so knew what I got delivered from, he would understand why I stand like this in worship. And even if he doesn't know, it's all right with me. It's all right, because I'm going to express my love to the one that healed me. So it was appropriate for this guy to do it. But let's just take this analogy a little farther. Let's, let's bring it up to modern day. A guy gets his life back, um, gets his family back, gets his career back, things go well for him, kids grow up, get married, get good careers, his marriage is good. 30 years have passed since he gets his life back, since Jesus heals him. And one day he's walking in town square and he sees Jesus. I have a question for you. Is it still appropriate <laughs> to run up and fall down and say, thank you, thank you, thank you? Sure it is. He owes his last 30 years to that man. It's still appropriate. When we come together, by the way, you say, well, yeah, if I saw Jesus, what well, did you know when two or three are gathered in his name? There he is in the midst. So we come together, it's very appropriate for us to express our love. So I'm, I'm, again, I'm following this little pattern, okay? I'm thinking, okay, I want everyone to be a worshiper and we all wanna be worshipers. So what would produce worship in our life? Well, gratitude would produce worship. Well, what would produce gratitude? Well, miracles would produce. If we, if we were experiencing miracles on a regular basis, we'd be grateful, right? So then I'm thinking, well, what produces miracles? Well, according to this passage, here's point number three, obedience produces miracles. Obedience produces miracles. Look at verse 14. It says, so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Or we could say as they obeyed. Now think about this. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. They could have said, uh, we're not healed. Because we're not supposed to show ourselves to the priest until we get healed. But they didn't. He said, go show yourselves the priest. And they were like, okay. And they start going and they get healed. When they obeyed, this is all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. They get up to the Red Sea. And, and, and God says to Moses, lift up your rod. Okay, Moses could have said, oh, the Egyptian army is right there. We, we need a better battle plan than hold up a stick. And God's thinking, hold the stick up and watch what happens. You just obey. You obey. My part's the miracle part. Your part's the obey part. You obey. Uh, you know, when they, when they go into the, to, uh, the promised land, when Joshua's leading them in, they get right up to the Jordan, and the Jordan is at flood stage. We read these things, and we just go right over them. You know, we, we've seen on the news what a river looks like at flood stage. 
We have seen cars going down a river at flood stage, right? So okay, you don't want to mess with flood stage. And so they get up there at flood stage and, and the Lord gives them this instruction, put your foot in the water. Okay, I would have thought, uh, remember the Red Sea? You part the water and I'll put my foot in. And God's thinking, no, you put your foot in and I'll part the water. See, when God speaks, we obey, and when we obey, there's a miracle. And when there's a miracle, then we're grateful, and when we're grateful, then we worship. That's, that's it, it's that simple. I remember hearing a, a, a story one time from a pastor friend of mine. I was looking to see, there he is right there, Jim Morrison. Uh, Jim pastored for many, many years. And he told this story about a guy in a Sunday school class shared that he was a carpenter and he was out of work. And so the, the, uh, uh, he's praying one day for work and the Lord said to him, build a sawhorse. And you know, you know, his response would probably be like any of us, Lord, I don't need a sawhorse, I need a job. And the Lord said, build a sawhorse. So he got the materials and he started building the sawhorse in his front yard. And while he's building it, a guy drives by and he stops and he says, are you a carpenter? And he said, yes, I am. He said, I got a job for you. And he said, however many years it had been, I think 20 or something years since that time. And this is what he said, I've never gone without work since that day. Never since that day. Because it's real simple, real simple. He obeyed. He obeyed. That's what I'm saying. Now, I've said to you for many, many years, when you see a passage, if you really want to understand the passage, read the passage before it and after. Read the context. Well, I just want to show you the passage before because we're talking about obedience and many people have never seen this and many people still never tie this passage not only to the, the passage we just read, they don't even put it together. We're going to read the 10 verses before it and many people even separate the first five and the, first, and the next five verses. But look at this, all right? Luke 17, verse 1. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Now, let me just say this. He talks first to the offender. He's saying, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't walk where you offend people because it's gonna bring judgment on you. But then he talks to the offended, all right? Verse three, take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now, even in my Bible, it puts verse five with the next part, but I just want you to watch. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, you gotta see this because I don't know why we separate this and why we don't understand this. Here's what happened. Okay, here's, in my mind, using my holy imagination, all right, here's what happened. Jesus said, okay, guys, listen, uh, you're going to get offended. I mean, if you're alive, you're going to get offended. It's going to happen. Uh, and people should not offend other people, but they do. But here's what I want you to say to you. If you get offended, if someone does something against you, I want you to forgive him. And now, okay, in my mind, I kind of see it like this. I see the disciples say, I think Okay, Lord, we can do that. We, we will do that. And then the Lord said, well, I'm not finished yet. Um, if the same person does the same thing seven times on the same day, I still want you to forgive. And I think the disciples will. 
uh, we're going to need more faith. (laughs) That's what they said. That's what happened. Uh, Increase our faith. Okay. Now, Now watch what he says response. So the Lord said, and and again, you got to tie this together, okay? Don't let it be separate. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Notice the word obey. And then watch verse 7. Again, I can't even believe many commentators have never seen that this goes together. Watch. And which of you, like he just goes into this story, like it wouldn't relate. It relates exactly to what he's saying about forgiveness. And which of you, having a servant... Plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he's come in from the field, come at once and sit down deep. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now, let me read you verse 10 in, in the New Living Translation. It just makes it a little easier to understand. It says, in the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are not worthy of praise. We are servants who have simply done our duty. Can I want you to combine this with everything that just happened. The Lord said, when someone uh, offends you, I want you to forgive him. And they say, okay. No, no, no. Same person, same thing on the same day. Uh, we're going to need more faith. And, he, and here's what he says. You don't need more faith. You need to obey. That's what he tells this story about obedience. He said, and, and, and I think he kind of did it like this. At least if you had just a little faith. I mean, I, could, I think you just got a little, you know, if you just had a little faith, <laughs> you, you could speak to a tree and it'd just be planting seed. You can't even do that. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think he's feeling, you know. And then he says, and which of you that has a servant comes in from the field, you, you, that servant obeys you. He does what you tell him to do. Do you thank him for doing what you tell him to do? Here, here's what he's saying. Listen, listen. He's saying, you don't need faith to forgive. You need to do what you're told. That's what you need to do. See, we, we, we th- yes, Jesus is our friend. Yes, he's our friend. He's our master. Let's not forget that. He's our Lord. And he says to them, I want you to forgive. And they say, we're going to need more faith. Here's what Jesus in essence says. Listen, this is going to shock you. He says, you don't need faith to forgive. You need obedience. You don't have to have faith. I told you to forgive. That should be enough for you. If I told you to do it, you do it. This this is strong. And then 10 lepers say, have mercy on us. I'm thinking Jesus is think, thinking, okay, let me, do, let me show you something. Let me show you what happens when you obey. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. See, that's what Jesus is trying to say to them. Listen, you got all these problems in your life, but you got a bunch of problems because you're carrying around unforgiveness. Yeah, but I'm going to need faith to forget verse. No, you don't. You just need to do it. I'm the master. You're the servant. Do it. Is, is that strong? Okay, don't get mad at me. That's Jesus, all right? He's the one that said this, okay? He said, he's the one that brought the servant thing up, okay? okay? See, it's just amazing to us that 
I really think that many times we're not expressing our worship because we're not grateful. And sometimes we could even be on the other end of the spectrum. We might not just not even be grateful to God, but we might even be mad at God. I mean, why, why you want me to lift my hands to him? I'm mad at him. Yeah, I'm grateful for the things that he has done, but let me tell you about what he hasn't done. But if we would simply obey, I'm not saying it always turns out like we won't, but we're going to see miracles. First of all, we, we, when those of us who know Christ, we've got the miracle of being healed in the first place. But then we've got all these miracles along the way, and I think we forget about maybe the smaller miracles. You know, um, we, we, we call the prayer before the meal. Uh, most of us, uh, and it's, it's almost a, a generational thing, most of us now, we, we call it blessing the food. Let, let's say the blessing. Who wants to bless the food? And that's scriptural. You can say that. Doesn't matter if you want to call that prayer blessing the food or the blessing because the Bible tells us that the food is blessed by prayer. It is sanctified by prayer. So that's fine. But I was thinking about this. My parents didn't call it blessing the food. I clearly remember my dad, when we would gather to pray, here's what my dad would say. And some of you know this. Some of you remember this. Here's what he would say. Let's give thanks. Let's give thanks. I think it's because he was really thankful for that food. And I'm wondering if we've gotten to the place that we really don't have gratitude because things are just so available to us. Well, let's just bless what we have, but I mean, food is always there. Yeah, I might um, tell you a funny story. My, I have uh, two nephews. One nephew is a chiropractor. The other nephew is in medical school. And uh, the one that's in medical school, of course, the one's chiropractor also, they're, they're both brilliant. They're just brilliant. But the one's in medical school is like a genius, you know. Um, he valedictorian, top of his class, all that stuff. And um, so, so he, something happened to him that was, was kind of funny. He made a little mistake. And so anytime someone smart, you know, messes up, you tell everyone, you know. So um, <clears throat> I actually sent him a text, asked him if I could tell this story, and he very gracious said, sure. But when he was in school, he was the uh, running back football team. And uh, one, they won a game one time, and they, the coach took them all out for pizza. And um, he, they, they go out for pizza, and then the coach says to him, uh, bless the food. No, he didn't. He didn't say bless the food. Pardon me. He said, uh, his name's Jacob. He said, Jacob, give thanks. And Jacob grew up good Christian home and all, but just not familiar with that at that time. That saying, that's almost like the generation before us, you know, give thanks. Uh, he was familiar with bless the food. So the, the coach says, Jacob, give thanks. And so he said, well, I'd like to thank the offensive line for the way they blocked tonight. <laughs> and um, you run in, you tight ends, you did great. You did really good. Here's the point. Do you know where this phrase, give thanks, came from? Or who began giving thanks over food in the first place? Now, as far as I can tell, it's nowhere in the Bible until you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there was one person that every time he broke bread, it said this, and he gave thanks. It's Jesus. 
Jesus is the one that started this. You know why I think he did? I think he was trying to tell us, guys, I know you kind of take this for granted. You don't think this is a miracle. But this bread, this is a miracle. Your heavenly Father provided this for you. And I want you to live a life of giving thanks. I want you to live a life of gratitude. And watch what gratitude does in your life. So I want to encourage you. Where's the next step of obedience for you? Because that obedience could release a miracle in your life. That miracle will release gratitude. That gratitude will release worship. And we will have no problem at all when we gather expressing our love to the one that we're grateful to. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a, a moment and just say to the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, what are, you, what are you saying to me? Just let the Lord speak to you. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Think about all the miracles that God's done in your life. Don't let the enemy try to focus you on things that didn't turn out like you wanted or that God maybe didn't do his part. Look what God has done in your life. And if you're going through a difficulty right now, and we all go through difficulties, we want to pray for you. At every campus, no matter which campus you're attending or, or if you're in one of the overflow rooms, at every campus and in the overflow room, we're going to have leaders at the front. And if you need prayer for any area of your life, any area of your life, finances, health, job, marriage, family, relationships, any area, at every campus, we're going to have one more worship song. During this worship song, I want you to just come to one of the leaders at the front and say, I need prayer. I need prayer. And you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've only been here a short time. Maybe you've been here 10 years. But everyone needs prayer. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up, you just come to one of the leaders at every campus now and let us pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person that needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.